Hi everyone, and welcome back to James Cameron's Titanic Scene by Scene. I'm Brittany Butler. I'm Ethan Brim. And today we are moving on to a pretty big scene for the movie uh, titled You Jump, I Jump, which is a classic, classic bit from this movie. But before that, want to dive in, no pun intended, oops, (laughs) to especially not for this scene as well. (laughs) Poor choice of words. Um, But, you know, get into some emails uh, and comments that we've received. Uh, I'm going to go with an email for this uh, episode here. Beautiful, beautiful, long emails we get from you guys, which we really, really appreciate it. It's so nice to read. Um, And this one is relevant to this scene, which is super cool. So I thought I'd go with this. So this is an email from Jay and they said... First of all, congratulations on your fantastic podcast. I'm a longtime Titanic fan, and it's an absolute delight to listen to the analysis the both of you bring to the table in every episode. During the first episode, I was particularly impressed with how much I could relate to Brittany's description of how much this movie and the characters mean to her, because it is exactly, in all caps, how I feel about it slash them. I was six years old when Titanic premiered in my country, and I've loved it ever since. To me, watching this movie is like coming home in a way. It's a safe haven. There's a level of familiarity slash coziness to it that I can't even put into words. Rose is my all-time favorite character and she's been a great source of inspiration to me and in my opinion her coming of age is still the very best thing about the movie. Oh and I pretty much know Titanic by heart and can quote 99% of the lines too. Glad to know I'm not alone Brittany. There aren't a whole lot of things I don't know about Titanic, both the movie and the ship, because one triggered my obsession for the other, but you have shared some bits of information I had no idea about, so thank you for that too. And now this is the part that I was excited about in relation to this scene. So they go on to say, I'm far from being an expert in music, but with this movie being so special to me, of course I've listened to all sorts of versions of its magnificent soundtrack. As such, there's a little detail I would like to share with you. Perhaps you have also noticed it and plan to talk about it when the time comes, but I've loved this moment and I believe it showcases the brilliance of James Horner. I'm talking about the music playing during Rose's suicide attempt just before Jack finds her and stops her from jumping. And then the music that plays when Rose physically lets go of Jack after his death. There's a variation of it that's exactly the same in both scenes, although with slightly, you know, slight differences. Um, I've always read this as a clever way of bringing things full circle. The music that plays right before Jack enters Rose's life is the same that plays right after he leaves it. It's almost as if his purpose had been fulfilled. He had saved Rose and rekindled in her the will to live the free, happy life she had always longed for. It's beautiful, in all caps, which I agree. And it's interesting because, yeah, we're going to get to that in Mm -hmm. the scene here, but... I didn't make that connection and that's why I love being able to hear from other listeners and other fans of the movie because as I've said you know you can watch this movie a million times and somehow find something new about it on the one million and one viewing like you know yeah so it so it's crazy when I read that email I was kind of like <gasps> it's a big movie yeah and there's a lot to to kind of dissect from it oh yeah and but that is you know I double checked the music and they're totally right when Rose physically lets go of Jack it is a little different it's like a, um a wind instrument is kind of mm-hmm. playing the melodic line whereas in 
the suicide attempt, it's, I think there's the wind instrument going on in the background, but yeah. there's like the vocal thing going on but it is it's like the same exact vibe the same like the same motif uh, if yeah you will. exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah no yeah that's cool yeah that's really cool yes i guess it's my it's i can't can't even think of what else would come close maybe mm. like star wars but i yeah. this is like probably my favorite score of all time at least like second favorite score of all time but oh yeah yeah it's so good and just the way the nuances of it that you don't even notice unless somebody maybe points it out, you know, so mm-hmm. really cool. Once I read that, I realized as well, which I think they, they kind of touched on, um, was how, you know, this same motif plays when Rose wants to end her life and mm-hmm. then in the moment where she decides to live, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is really interesting as well. Well, you could also say that him's like Jack saving Rose is her deciding to live too you know true yes yeah so Mm -hmm. that's cool but there's like a whole other layer to that decision when the end comes yeah but yeah no but definitely and so yeah just to wrap up their email thank you for your time i'm wishing you both a great rest of the week and i can't wait for the next episode so thank you for the email yeah thanks loved it it was so great to read and it's very relevant to what we're gonna get into now yep so we left off with first glance, so it was Jack and Rose first seeing each other across the decks, and Cal coming over to Rose and her being like, do you mind? And someone actually, another comment actually, someone wrote to us on YouTube under our first glance episode and said how I said that it was kind of inaudible, like the conversation that uh, Rose and Cal were having. This person with the username Lady Swan and a picture of Rose for her um, icon says, uh, love the episode as usual. I always listen to your episodes while I'm on the treadmill and thank you because it just makes the whole thing something to look forward to. And then she goes, about what Cal tells Rose when he meets her outside. In my Blu-ray, I can clearly hear him saying, I hope you're proud of it before Rose storms off. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that they put that. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, I thought this was something you'd like to know. Yeah, that was cool. Another episode. Yeah. Because I wasn't, uh, yeah, because we weren't sure what he was saying. Yeah. And then I, I, I put it on and listened closely and I can, I can hear that as well. Yeah. That's kind of funny. That's cool. <laughs> so Rose put on that show to, you know, show how intelligent she was and everything. And then I hope yeah. you're proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> like she, like she cares about the consequences of that. Exactly. But yeah, that does sound accurate. (laughs) So going into this scene, you jump, I jump. In my notes, you know, I said that we're getting more and more insight into Rose's character and why she's feeling the way she's feeling. This is another moment where it cuts to an old Rose voiceover. But I like this one. I really do love it because it's this, you know, Rose is just sitting there at dinner looking like this China doll no emotion she's just staring meanwhile everyone is bustling around her and they're you know talking all this you know inconsequential stuff that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of life and she knows this and she's not going to waste her energy to you know like superficial stuff yeah like fake interest in this stuff which i totally understand but hers is like on such another level which all these layers keep getting peeled back as we go on especially in these few scenes coming up um but, you know, so I love what Old Rose says, how, you know, she says, and, and of course, and this whole thing is in slow motion as well, which I've said 
if you put slow motion on anything, I'll cry. Um, I've, I don't think I've said that on this podcast, but I've yeah. said that to you. Um, not that I cry during the scene, but I think the slow-mo adds a yeah, very... it's emotional. It makes it emotional. Yes, it, it really drives the point home that she, you know, she's stuck in this situation, in this world where everything's just moving around her and time is just crawling. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I just, I really love that aspect to, you know, how they decided to do that. Yeah. And so this, you know, it, it's panning down to her, and we get the old Rose voiceover where she says, I saw my whole life as if I'd already lived it. An endless parade of parties and cotillions, yachts and polo matches, always the same narrow people, the same mindless chatter. I felt like I was standing at a great precipice with no one to pull me back, no one who cared or even noticed. Yeah. Um, and that was all off the dome, by the way. I, I, I know. <laughs> but for our listeners, she was literally not looking at any cue cards. And my Gloria Stewart impression. That was good. Um, <laughs> Thank you. No, that line, I wrote down the, I saw my whole life as I already lived it part. Because mm-hmm. it's a good line. I mean, especially hundreds of people on this ship, this is their life. That This is the end of the road. Wow. So... For her to feel that way, and then she, but then she gets to live what ninety more, eighty, ninety more years after mm-hmm. this, or however old she lives to. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and it's kind of funny because she was how old she was supposed to be seventeen. You said right, seventeen. So, yeah. and she lived to be like a hundred and two, one, one. So I mean, like in the grand scheme of things, that seventeen years it was nothing. But or however long she oh, was yeah. with Cal, even. Um, mm-hmm. It's just funny because she had so much more of a life to live urged along by Jack, which is cool. Yes. With that imagery of Rose just sitting there like that in this voiceover, it's just letting us know, you know, Rose feels like she has no one looking out for her, no one who sees her, no one who really cares about her, like, as a person. Yeah, they care about their status. Yeah, like, all anyone in her world really cares about is making sure she does what she, quote, you know, needs to do. It was expected of her as a young woman in that current society. And I love that you know, that, that this movie that is one of the biggest movies of all time, was the biggest movie of all time for a while, mm. is really about a woman. I've never stopped to think about that before until I heard, like, another podcast talk about that. Mm. And it's true, because, like, you look at the top films, they're all... Male-driven. You know, quote, masculine. Yeah, they're male-driven, yeah. Number one, it's there's the romance aspect, but the lead character really is Rose, and it really is... A big part of the movie is her journey yeah. growing into her own as a woman. That was really interesting to me when I stopped to think about that. I was like, whoa, we yeah. as a as a as a world put our money into this movie. I mean, we had movies in the past. It just wasn't as on the nose. Right. It was more exactly like it, you had. It was just a movie that happened mm-hmm. to be led by a woman and and. Mm-hmm. You didn't think twice about it because it wasn't exactly like I didn't think twice about it until I heard that it wasn't trying to be that necessarily, you know. So yeah, because like as we've talked about before, like Titanic is so many things, <laughs> so that it, you know, this it's so much yeah. to think about, and you naturally you think of the ship and you think of the romance. You don't uh, necessarily think about all these other things that it was actually touching on and that mm-hmm. at the root of the movie it actually was this character yeah, and and everything definitely. she was going through which is very interesting that's a cool, but anyway, a cool point yeah yes so there were actually two deleted scenes that led up to 
the start of this one. So what happens is we hear this old Rose voiceover and then Rose closes her eyes and then it's like zhong and it cuts to her running, running, running to the back of the ship. And I always really liked that hard cut because, well, I'll get into it in a minute. But there are two scenes that were originally supposed to take place before this and I'm so glad that they were cut. Um, So the first one, is there was supposed to be a shot of Rose secretly self-harming under the table mm. with a like a small fork yeah. like a she was supposed to be like huh. pushing it really deep into her hand or her wrist or something like that until it literally drew blood and you know then she closed her eyes or whatever yeah. and then I in my notes I said you know I I didn't find that out until I was just reading the screenplay the illustrated huh. one um, and I said, yeah, I feel like that would have been a step too far. So I, for me, that would be like, okay, why, if she's going to do that, why would she also decide to like jump? You know what I mean? You're not going to do both of those things. Not that close together. I don't think you would do. Yeah. 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 You would do it. One, it would be steps. Yes. Yeah. And it was, cause it is a very accelerated timeline as well. We yeah. have to keep in mind, sure. like you want to try to get a lot of things in and in, in the amount of time. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like it just would have been too much leading up to this moment right so James Cameron said that he removed it because it took away from the intrigue um, as to what Rose was going to do next yeah so like if we had seen her actually trying to cause harm to herself and then she uh, then goes to try to kill herself just be like yeah just be like one one too many things yeah and then there was supposed to be a scene after that which is also the two too many things now so we had her sitting there, her with the fork, and then her going back to her room mm-hmm. and trying to get undressed, but she can't do it without the help of Trudy, their maid, uh, yeah. because the way women were dressed back then, they needed help for everything. Sure. So she couldn't get out of her own dress and she started having a panic attack and she was like freaking out and she rips her hair down and she throws stuff at her mirror and it's this big dramatic meltdown and then it cuts to her running. Yeah. And so I totally agree with doing that hard cut, not just because that's how I've seen the movie forever and that's just how I know it. But when James Cameron were, you know, it said that he cut that stuff, you know, to keep the intrigue. I agree because it also helps keep the pacing tight, right? Because you need to keep, you can't, you know, if we went off on that scene in the room for an extra minute you know, it yeah. does make a difference. It's already a three-hour movie. It's, I mean, that's just fluff at that point, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, it's not like that scene was bad, but it is a little bit extra. Like, we get the idea yeah. and everything without yeah. it. But one thing people point out is that how, you know, Rose's hair is up at that dinner scene, and then it's down when she's running. Oh, and yeah. And they call that out as a continuity issue and whatever. And it is because there was that deleted scene where she yeah. ripped down her hair in between. But I always just assumed that she ripped it out while she was running. Sure. Or something. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Or, not, yeah, I don't think it's continuity, because you don't yeah. see, you're not, it's not a one shot where you're seeing every single... Exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. It's like it's like anything could have happened between yeah. that one moment at dinner to where she's running on the deck, yeah, like, exactly. you know? So I, yeah, I always thought that that was a little bit of a reach for people who were like, look at this movie, I'm putting out all the flaws. I'm like, Yeah, um, it's too cynical. Yeah. Yeah. So I had mentioned 
in the previous scene, I think, that James Cameron wanted us to see Rose as Jack sees her. And I had mentioned that in the last scene, but it was really in relation to this scene is where I read it. And I think it goes along with cutting out that extra stuff about Rose as a character as well. He doesn't really want us knowing the whole story beat by beat before we see everything unravel. So in this scene where, you know, Rose is running, running, running to the stern, she passes Jack, who's, you know, laying on a bench and smoking. And as soon as she passes him, he like sort of springs into action and, uh, you know, pops up. And in that moment, we are seeing her the way he's seeing her to a degree. Mm -hmm. You know, we have that little bit more of insight into her mind from the voiceovers and stuff. But as far as like this moment, there is that bit of intrigue. And I mean, I said it before that it all sort of helps us feel involved in the story on on a certain level. Yeah, it makes it a little more candid to a degree, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, so Rose runs. She stops just before fully walking towards the railing. Clearly now you can tell she's having second thoughts, but still yeah. is, you know. And I, there are um, some lines in the, you know, screenplay that were cut or altered. And there was one later on where she was talking about what she was thinking. And the writing as well. I was like, mm, James Cameron, this could have gone a... It's a touchy subject, but... You know, it is. If he kept a lot of this stuff in, it was... It's like one of the conversations that they were having, and she was like, oh, you know, I was I was just thinking, oh, they'll be sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then Jack goes, yeah, they'll be sorry, but of course you'll be dead or something. Yeah, you <laughs> I was like... I was like, what? Yeah, it was... James Cameron's just... He lost his mind for a second there. And she's like, yeah. ha, ha, ha. I'm like, oh, God. He's just brainstorming James Cameron. Literally. Awful. So as we talked about in the email, there's that motif that plays, and it's right as she's climbing over the railing. Right as that motif ends is where, you know, it's focused on Rose and then the focus shifts to Jack walking up behind her. Um, And, you know, he says, don't do it. And bam, here we go. Jack and Rose finally interacting on this podcast. (laughs) It's like nine episodes in. Nine episodes in and they're finally speaking to each other. Yeah, well, that's what happens when we're talking about a three hour movie. So he says, don't do it. And, you know, she's all, stay back, don't come any closer, I mean it, I'll let go. And it's crazy because I've mentioned before that the whole movie is built on setups and payoffs, and there were a million setups and payoffs that were cut as well. So I'm like, it's kind of good that they were cut because in that case, literally the entire movie would just be, this thing happened, then this thing happened, this thing happened, then this thing happened, this thing happened, this thing happened. Like, like direct parallels constantly like, yeah. to the point yeah. where it gets like, it's like, okay, it's past being cute now. <laughs> like if, now it's just calculated. Yeah. yeah, if there were like as many as were originally in here. So I'm really glad that James Cameron did that because 
I mean, I might as well. I mean, there's no point in like saving things for when we get to certain points sometimes, yeah. because as we've all said, everyone listening to this podcast hopefully knows this movie yeah. <laughs> pretty well. And, and if you wanted to save time watching a three hour movie by listening to this podcast, it's you're not going to. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't. This podcast in its entirety will be longer than the three hour movie. <laughs> So just watch the Yes, that is a guarantee. In the alternate ending, which is awful, we'll talk about that when the time comes Uh in its entirety, Uh, but I think most people would agree that it's not good. Like the alternate ending of the whole movie? Jack lives or what? No, 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 no. Uh, But we're not like entirely sure what was going through James Cameron's mind. Um, But I will say this is what I, I will, okay. The people that like to hate on the movie and say that it's a bad script all this stuff. I can give them that when I stop and realize what this movie could have been had James Cameron not made these edits. Yeah, like the bullets it dodged. Yes. Uh, And so I I guess that, like, you know, they're still seeing the traces of that script. Like, the movie snobs can see that it was imperfect to start. And it's like, okay, I get that. But to, to talk about it on the level of this is the worst script ever, it's awful, it's garbage, it's whatever. I'm like, okay, you can't call it that when it was so successful and worked on so many different levels, right? Yeah. If you're going to call it terrible, at least acknowledge that it's serviceable, if anything, right? You you can't just say that it doesn't work, period. Because especially as far as story beats, this is as tight as you can get for a three-hour movie. Yeah, I would say like, Cameron's weakness isn't the story, his story. It's the, it's the dialogue, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story beats are really, I mean, almost perfect if you really think mm-hmm. about it. I mean, obviously, he had stuff in there that could have been made it more imperfect. But, yes. um, but yeah, I mean, that's why you have people around you, like, on, on set being like, this doesn't work, whatever. So, I mean, yeah. that's why a movie takes, it's not just one person making a movie. Uh, it's, you know, take it to collaboration, so... And it is interesting, too, though, how, again, the Oscars are not the be-all, end-all of everything ever. Sure. But it is interesting that Titanic was not nominated for Best Screenplay, but it was still able to sweep and take home Best Picture. Do you know what was nominated? I think Good Will Hunting. Good Will Hunting had to have been. Yeah. But I think that says a lot about the movie, that the movie, yeah, maybe the screenplay wasn't up to snuff for the Oscars and film snobs like to hate on it, but the movie was doing so many other things well enough yeah. that it was still able to sweep and take home best picture and if you just look at like a script is more than just dialogue it's also like mm-hmm. the action and, and the story the, beats and the scriptment yeah, and, and the, yeah, yeah exactly so i mean if you just are judging it off dialogue yeah sure it maybe shouldn't be nominated but if you look at the script as a whole and like what the story tells and the narrative then mm-hmm. and even the pacing like and how it mm-hmm. develops the relationships and all that stuff like mm-hmm. it's definitely better than a ton of movies a ton of movies, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> My God. I, I don't, I, I really can't believe how some movies get made. I, yeah. you know what uh, I mean? They know somebody and they get money. But circling back, my point was, uh, you know, with these lines, the stay back, don't come any closer. In the alternate ending, Old Rose 
when she goes to the back of the Keldish and she sort of stands the way she did in this scene. Yeah. What originally happened was Brock and them see her and they go running after her and she parallels this exact line um, and says, don't come any closer. And I'm like, yeah, that would have been the worst. <laughs> Don't do that, James Cameron. It's just too much. It's like, okay, we get yeah, it. Someone, <laughs> you know what I mean? Someone probably, like, he was reading the script at a table reading. Everyone's like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. <laughs> it's like, we all got it when she holds on the railing and she steps yeah. up on it again. Like, we get that visual parallel, you know? Yeah. We don't need her to also audibly <laughs> say, stand back, don't come any closer. Oh again. <laughs> James Cameron. Yeah, so it's like, I understand. I can clearly see where people can find those faults and see that stuff but this could have been the movie that people hate on but it is not it did not end up being that movie so i think i think that's the disconnect there sure so you know so jack is telling her you know give me your hand i'll put you back over blah 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 so this is interesting she says i mean it i'll let go and he says no you won't (laughs) (laughs) and And, you know, she's like, what do you mean, no, I won't? Honestly, I I love their scenes together where they're, like, playing off each other like this because it's... They balance each other well. Yes, and it it is funny because they manage to make it feel very conversational, but it does play out pretty much as written. Yeah. So it's it's just interesting uh, because people say that's pretty much probably the number one thing you don't tell someone who's suicidal. (laughs) But it's funny because, like, because Jack just doesn't care. He's like, I'm going to say what I think the truth is right now. Yeah. And that's what he says. I mean, even though it's like, obviously not what you would want to say, but at the same time, if it was what people would say, then it's like, that's cliche. That's what everyone would have said. Right. True. So you have to make it mm-hmm. something that's weird or, or something you wouldn't expect him to say. Mm. That's what makes you remember it. You know? No. Yeah. No, it's great. I love that though. No, you won't. I could probably quote this whole scene too. Yeah, do it. What do you mean? No, I won't. Don't presume to tell me what I will or will not do. You don't know me. (laughs) Well, you would have done it already. And I love the way she says, you're distracting me. Go away. (laughs) Distracting Distracting you from, (laughs) like, from making that decision, from. It's, you have to focus. And then, but you know, but then he says, I can't. I'm involved now. You let go and I'm going to have to jump in there after you. And I just, I love the way this whole scene plays out because it is really funny. When I said how I didn't realize how funny the first half of the movie was until I saw it in that theater with 300 people who all love the movie and other people who are seeing it for the first time. And it's like the, you watch this stuff play out and like people are giggling and it's like funny and it is. It's just the way he's approaching the situation and like mm-hmm. attempting to talk her down. You know, some people might say it's, you know, according to today's standards, you know, he, he did everything wrong <laughs> that you're supposed to do if you encounter a suicidal person. Yeah. Um, it's 1912. But in the context of everything in the movie, it's so, it is kind of charming. And, and what he's doing is, you know, working himself into the situation so that. You don't want to drag someone else. Yeah, you don't want to dra- uh, collateral damage, right? It, it, it kind of symbolizes subtly, like, how much he knows her already, you know? Mm-hmm. He knows that she's the type of person who wouldn't want to bring someone down with her. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's all like hyperbole, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You can kind of draw some sort of symbolisms from it too. It's, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot more to it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, basically saying, you know, now that I'm involved, you're going to make me jump in there. I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. 
and it is. I do love like the subtle things he says, right? You know, where you know I'm a good swimmer. You know, the fall alone will kill you, and then it'll hurt. I'm not saying it wouldn't. What I'm more concerned about is that water being so cold. Looks at her to get a reaction, like you know what I mean. Yeah. He's like looking at her, saying like, "Hey, did that did that break down any walls?" Is she? He's also like, "I hope this works because I really don't want to jump, and I will." Because you know he he would probably <laughs> jump too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I love the the pivot to the story that he's gonna tell to yeah. to convey like how cold it really was. Where he's just suddenly like, "You ever been to Wisconsin?" <laughs> and she's just like. What? Why would I have been to Wisconsin? Well, just like, why are you asking me yeah, this of yeah. all moments? Like, now is the time to ask me. Great conversation starter as I'm hanging off the back of the Titanic. Hey, you ever been to Wisconsin? Yeah, that's just funny when you think about it. Oh, man. You know, when he starts saying how he grew up in Chippewa Falls and that he went ice fishing out on Lake Wasoda. And it's funny because apparently Lake Wasoda is a man-made lake that wasn't made until like 1917 uh, uh yeah which was crazy though because i'm like all right james cameron for the attention to detail you were going for well because people back this is 1997 i mean like people weren't like i said there's no wikipedia back then to cross check this stuff you know right away mm. so either you knew it or you didn't so no, but yeah, and so that's why, so that's why, like, some fan theory started going around, like, ooh, Jack's a time traveler, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just think James Cameron didn't care. Yeah, James Cameron just didn't fact check that, I don't yeah. think. So I like this, too, how Jack starts telling the story. I remember when I was a kid, me and my father, we went ice fishing out on Lake Wissota. Ice fishing is, you know where you... I know what ice fishing is! <sighs> Sorry. You just seem like, you know, kind of an indoor girl. About to start mansplaining there for yeah, a minute, yeah, yeah. probably to her here, making assumptions. I would have assumed she didn't know what ice fishing was. Yeah. She didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I know, but it's it's that's a great moment. That's yeah. a great line. So he goes on to tell his story and how he fell through some thin ice. Anyway, I uh I fell through some thin ice. And I'm telling you. Water that cold, like right down there, it hits you like a thousand knives stabbing you all over your body. You can't breathe, you can't think, at least not about anything but the pain. Which is why I'm not looking forward to jumping in there after you. Which is just a great way to end it. <laughs> um, and then, but like you said, he doesn't have a choice. And... Uh, that's also very interesting too because he's pretty much describing to all of us what he will be feeling at the end of the movie yeah it's morbid for that sort of description to come from him and then also it is just giving us exposition for like yeah like this is how all these people are going to be feeling when they're submerged in the frigid ice water that's true I was always aware of that to a degree but like you don't really it's another thing that you don't really stop to think about that it's like yeah Jack's literally describing to us right now yeah. what the frigid water feels like yeah and it, that's another thing that sort of subconsciously goes into your head and then when everyone's in the water you know you know it's freezing just because but it's yeah. also it's just a nice but you don't think about it necessarily yeah unless somebody but in the moment no one's gonna be like ah oh, it's like a thousand knives like while they're, oh, no. while they're in the water yeah. they're not gonna say yeah. that so I mean yeah it's it's a good way of kind of painting that picture without painting the picture I think mm-hmm. yeah not while it's happening <laughs> that'd be awful yeah. ah this hurts that was awful he said it's like a thousand knives it's like a thousand knives <laughs> 
man. You were just narrating what's happening as it's going down. <laughs> well, that's another reason why the sinking simulation was necessary, yeah, right? So too, that yeah. it wasn't, you know, oh, this is happening to the to the hull now. Yeah. It's this is happening to the well, yeah. You know, we don't need to know as that's happening like that. Um, They're just these little seeds that he's planting yeah. along the way. And then another thing that he probably shouldn't say to a suicidal person, she says, you're crazy. And he says, that's what everybody says. But with all due respect, miss, I'm not the one hanging off the back of a ship here. Yeah. Um, which, hey, facts, I guess. Um, but, yeah. I mean, but it is also funny. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it is good. She eventually agrees that, okay, yeah, I don't want to do this. I'll give you my hand. She's made that decision to live now. She's like, okay, I'm not going to go through with it. In this moment, Jack is pretty much exactly what she said she needed in the old Rose voiceover. You know, mm. she said that she felt like no one saw her, no one cared, no one noticed, and this guy comes out of nowhere and he sees her and he cares and he notices. And so I feel like in that moment, that was just enough of what she needed, like yeah. that validation of someone being like, hey, yo, like, yeah. I see you and, and this isn't cool. I think that's a really special aspect of this particular love story. I think there are a lot of things that people don't really think more about um, than what meets the eye sort of thing. They're like, oh, yeah. Mm. I, I feel like a lot of people even brush over the fact that they met while Rose was trying to kill herself. Like, I think that goes over a lot of people's heads, too, for some reason. Yeah. Because it, it does play off in a very, like, casual, funny way. Uh, but this was, like, a serious thing, you know? I think that people underestimate the bond that Jack and Rose have and the bond that grew between them throughout this movie in yeah. this, once again, accelerated timeline. Mm-hmm. People either buy into it or they don't and they think that it's possible or it's just completely implausible and whatever. And that sort of thing is like a make it or break it for the person yeah. as far as their enjoyment of the movie goes. It's the foundation, so. Yeah, but I always bought into it. And even to this day, like I hear lots of other people's perspectives and how, oh no, this would never happen. But, but like I still buy into it because I, and you will, again, we'll be talking about this more as we go, but I really do think James Cameron crafted it in a way that does feel organic in a way. And it yeah. does feel like, yeah, like this situation could have led to this situation and could have led to this situation. Yeah. But as far as their bond goes, I think that's something people really overlook too. And they, belittle the relationship to a three-day fling on a ship and why does it matter so much sort of thing and that drives me insane but um well yeah that's i mean obviously we see why it matters exactly so when people still act like they don't get it i'm like what's wrong with you uh anyway but uh there's a blurb in the illustrated screenplay that i really like it's from james cameron it says, as a writer, I don't think Rose would really jump. But then a guy comes up and starts to, quote, talk her down. And she ends up in that awkward situation where she almost feels like she has to go through with it just to prove she was right. The scene is economical because the situation cuts through all of the personal boundaries and connects Jack and Rose immediately at the heart level. They have a bond. There can be no secrets. And then you have the great irony that near the end of the movie, they end up at the very same flagpole where they first met. There were just too many great dramatic symmetries to not stage it that way. (laughs) Um, Mm. Just quickly touching on that, the geography of the the sort of things James Cameron does in this movie. It is true, though. I mean, this is the his whole location for the whole movie. 
yeah. is the Titanic and then the present day ship. Yeah. So he has to create a world within the ship. And so it's like, why not take those little poetic liberties that present themselves? Like, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, and it is it is a cool sort of, as he said, dramatic symmetry. Yeah. But I love the way he said that they have a bond and, and meeting in this sort of situation immediately connects them at the heart level. Because he knows something that nobody else knows now that she mm-hmm. tried to kill herself. He goes on to say that. He goes on to say that they have a secret together. Yeah. Um, which I love. And I'm like, yeah. yeah like really immediately. Good. Like like if you if you meet someone at literally their lowest moment, they're about to take their own life. Yeah. You don't just willy nilly. (laughs) It's just like okay, like who you know, bye or something. You know, like like there's suddenly a bond there now. Yeah, and that's just one of the many layers that is added on to that bond throughout the movie. Like like you know, once the disaster strikes, that's a whole other bond they now have between them. You know, so the movie's all about fate too, right? So mm -hmm. the right place at the right time. Jack was, you know, he lucked onto the ship because he was in the right place at the right time. He was just happened to be the only person on the poop deck mm-hmm. when she tried to jump. Uh, it's all about, yeah, right place, right time, and fate, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's good stuff. It is, right? Yeah. Uh, Rose makes that decision to live here, and, you know, they introduce each other, and I love that. I'm Jack Dawson. Rose to Picator. <laughs> I'm going to have to get you to write that one down. But it's also like the way she says her name, it's like it's Rose to Picator, but she says it in the strangest cadence when she announces herself. She's like, yeah. Rose to Picator. <laughs> I'm like, I guess it's because she's shaking. <laughs> yeah. But it's still just kind of funny. <laughs> when I was a kid, I could never really understand what she was saying. But, you know, so she decides to live and she's about to uh, climb back over the railing. But then she slips and it's really, you know... <laughs> life or death but it also another thing that's interesting though is that what causes her to slip is her dress yeah if you have the knowledge of the deleted scene as well it's this outfit that she felt so trapped in is what ultimately caused her to slip when Mm -hmm. she was you know trying to save herself yeah so you know just little things like that you know like the extra garnish on this dress could have caused her to die just now it's super it's superficial right yeah. Yeah. It's just it's it isn't ridiculous. it's not practical. There's no reason for it to be on the dress. No. It doesn't serve any purpose. It's just it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but it looked like you were gonna say something. What were you gonna oh, say? Oh, I was gonna say I don't have a problem with the slipping, but she grabs onto Jack's hand and the whole time I was like it would have been sturdier sturdier if she just to grabbed hold on the rail. onto the railing. I don't know, it bothered me, like, the whole time. <laughs> well <laughs> the, she does hold onto the railing after a certain point. Yeah, yeah. But when he's like, now pull yourself up, yeah. like she starts to do it. But, but yeah, and then, you know, some of the things he says comes back into play in other ways, you know, where he's like, yeah. I won't let go. <laughs> you know, like, I've, I've got you. Um, yeah. You know, she's screaming bloody murder. The officers come running over just in time to see Jack on top of Rose on the ground which does not look good she's all shaken and shocked and he has half of his clothes off and because he was like stripping as he was trying to talk her down like getting ready to jump in the water so everything just doesn't add up in his favor and they get the master at arms who is here to arrest Jack uh, so then it cuts to this arrest scene, and it's Cal, you know, saying, 
Uh, this is completely unacceptable. <laughs> what made you think that you could put your hands on my fiance? And this line, again, I was going to wait until the time came, but what's the point? This line is also a setup for the payoff in the car love scene. It starts off with Rose saying, put your hands on me, Jack. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like hearkening back to that idea of this guy couldn't put her hands on her and because, mm. you know, she's Cal's property and sort yeah. of idea. And, you know, in this moment, she's like, nah, yeah, you can. <laughs> like, I'm telling you to put your hands on me now. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And, and that's something I didn't notice until recently, actually. Um, I, I want to say maybe two or three years ago, I made that connection. But yeah, I don't know. I just think it's, I just think little things like that are cool. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, and then Rose is saying, oh, it was an accident and this whole thing that plays out really funny too with the, I was leaning over and I slipped. <laughs> I, I was leaning far over to see the, uh, the, uh, 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 uh the propellers and yeah. I slipped. <laughs> uh, she, she, she wanted to see the propellers. <laughs> Cal. He's like, I don't care what the reason then, is, just I don't want to be shamed right now, basically. <laughs> what he's thinking. Uh, is it Archibald Gracie who's in this scene? The guy who says... Yeah, he's like, women and machinery do not mix. Oh, that one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. She tries to say, oh, Mr. Dawson here saved me, blah, 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 changing the story. Uh, and then again, you know, we have Jack and Rose now speaking via only eye contact, where, you know, they're like, was that the way of it? Like, asking, you know, Jack, like, is this true? And she just gives him a look, like... Don't tell them what really happened. And yeah. he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty much it. And then again, there's that secret between them. And he kind of gives her a little smile after, too. He's like, all right. you Because know. he's piecing together more of her story also, I think. Yes. Too. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. And isn't it great when uh, they, they get that sorted and then Cal's like, all right, let, let's just get inside. You must be freezing. And then Gracie's like, how about a little something for the boy? And he just says, yeah. eh, love joy. I think a 20 should do it. <laughs> And then she says, is that what my life's worth or something? <laughs> Literally, she's like, oh, is that the going rate for saving the woman you love? I love that line. That's a good one. It's true, though. It's like, it's it's just like little things are kind of illuminating, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the way Billy Zane, you know, says some of these lines. I always chuckled uh, with the roses displeased. What to do? <laughs> he says, oh, Billy yeah. Zane's great. He's really good. And so he decides, oh, I know what a great prize for this young man is, is to, you know, invite him to have dinner with us, uh, which is, I mean, I, I guess, but it is thinking kind of highly of yourself. Yeah, well, that's the, yeah, I know? think that's the point, right? Yeah, he's like, I know, oh yeah, I know. Puts himself on that pedestal. Of being like, oh, you know what, forget money. Come and eat with us yeah. tomorrow night. That is what you will be paid in, <laughs> is dinner with us. That's what you really want. <laughs> to regale our group with your heroic tale. <laughs> Jack, sure, count me in. They head off and then Jack asks Lovejoy uh, for a cigarette and then he takes two, um, <laughs> which which I never really bothered to notice that either. I'm just like, wow, he really just was slick with that. He asked for one yeah. and he took two, put that other one behind his ear for later and just go. sort of looked at him like, I did that. <laughs> Um, and Lovejoy knows that something's up yeah. and says, it's interesting, the young lady slipped so suddenly that you still had time to remove your jacket and your shoes. What do you, what do you think he thought really happened? Exactly. I, w I was wondering, I was like, does he think that 
she tried to jump or like did he think they were just having a fling or like probably because I mean I think that was the assumption everyone else came to was that he must have been assaulting her which you know which is why he was being arrested so I think uh, for whatever reason she was covering for him he's like uh 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 I know who you really are this is what this is what you were up to and whatever I don't know yeah interesting so it cuts to Rose's bedroom that night and you know she's sitting at her vanity and she has the mirror actually the hand mirror that we see old Rose look at um, that we've already seen old Rose look at she has a music box playing and I always thought it was interesting how when Cal walks in he just walks straight over and just shuts the music box just boop like doesn't even care he's just like eh shut this crap off and just kind of pushes it away (laughs) and it's like it's just you know I mean it's not subtle but it is subtle at the same time of like that's just a small example of him just like shutting down something that she was enjoying like yeah he only cares about his own interests mm. yeah yeah but I always yeah that always kind of stood out to me the way he kind of like pushes it too it's like eh yeah who cares (laughs) he's, he's a real jerk I think this is maybe some other dialogue that's like, eh, when Cal's like, I know you've been melancholy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's also bizarre because, like, no one talks like that anymore. Oh, yeah. No, like, oh, yeah. melancholy is just not a word that people use, so. No. Yeah, it's no. a it's an odd choice. But, I mean, again, like, when you're watching a period piece, though, I'm like, I don't really question, question it, it really, but it's just yeah. kind of funny, especially, like, just Billy Zane being Billy Zane and, like, leaning against the door frame. His delivery, yeah. <laughs> just being, I know you've been melancholy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't pretend to know why. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Uh, he's pretty over the top sometimes. But it oddly works. Yeah, it does. It doesn't draw too much attention to itself, I don't think, but, yeah. Yeah. He says, I was intending to save this until the engagement gala, but I thought, tonight. (laughs) And just shows her the necklace. Perhaps as a reminder of my feelings for you. (laughs) Cal has to show his feelings for her in the form of this giant necklace. Buying her affection. Uh, yeah, literally trying to buy her affection. Especially the um, symbol of a necklace that is sort of like a chain that yeah. she's like putting on it's this big heavy thing which she said it was yeah. <laughs> if she accepts this it's over so like if you accept this huge gift from this person who's you know giving it to you wanting uh this part of you like like telling like he like he's telling her open your heart to me rose like yeah and and, and it's interesting because i i want to know your take on this like what do you think he's really asking of her because um there's a big debate over whether or not they had slept together yet why like why what do you mean uh okay um because all right because when it gets to the car scene like everyone's Uh like okay was this rose's first time was this like what happened I mean, I don't know. Because we don't know this yet, but Rose's family's poor right now. Okay, yeah. At the moment. Don't know if you knew that. But, I don't remember. Uh, yeah. yeah, so her father died, and he was the one with the good name, uh, gotcha. but he had a bunch of debt, and now all they have is their good name. You know, we don't find out this layer yet until we get to the scene later on, but there's another layer of Rose's predicament that pretty much her whole family's name and wealth and everything is lying on her shoulders of making the decision to marry Cal or not, you know? Okay, so then I think for Cal, 
when this is what I already kind of assumed is that like, you know, it, having like a beautiful wife is like a status thing too, especially like mm-hmm. back then, like, especially if you're a rich dude, you know, there's a desire for children and their desire for all this stuff. I think maybe, I mean, I don't know that you can draw tons of conclusions, but yeah, I think obviously, I think it's just as simple as he just wants a mate and he sees yeah. her as like a, a trophy maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, or like it's like a status thing I don't know right there's another uh, interesting thing too was another deleted scene earlier which I was again waiting for the right time to mention but as it came to my head now I'm just gonna mention it I'm not gonna wait until we get to the car scene or yeah. something so there's a deleted scene when they're boarding onto the ship and uh, it's when Rose is taking out all of her paintings and she takes the one of uh, the ballet dancer and she brings it into her room. It, the scene extends and it follows her into her room. And then Cal comes in as well and tells Trudy to leave. You know, Trudy had been saying like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe like everything is so new on this ship. Like it's so amazing. She's like, she's like when I go you know, in bed tonight, I'll be the first one to like ever sleep yeah. in these sheets and everything. And then Cal says, like, and I'll still be the first or something. And he says, like, the first and only. And like, and he's like hugging up behind Rose and like, yeah, it's really, really, really. And so I'm like, okay, so have they done that already? And he's gloating about the fact that he's the first and only or have they not done it yet? And he's saying, I will be the first and only. It's it's interesting yeah she doesn't seem like the type of person who would need to wait who would want to wait for marriage to sleep with somebody i mean Mm. obviously well as we see she doesn't so (laughs) but like you know what i mean so like i feel like she would have with him anyway Mm, but at the same time i mean she still like knows who she is and wouldn't just do that with someone she didn't but but at the same time she's gotten this far deep into it maybe she sees like I, you know, I need to do this to help my family or whatever. True. So, but I mean, but it seems like she's been very resistant towards all that though, right? I think that's why Cal is trying to get her to open up. But I think like maybe that built up over time, maybe. At first she was like, yeah, this is great, whatever, you know, because you don't see true colors necessarily right away and you don't always, Mm. I mean, she's coming to a breaking point now, but she Mm. might not have always been there. I'm going to say, yes, they have. Okay. Yeah, sometimes I lean that way, but then other times I'm like... Because there are other scenes later on, too, that we'll get to. I don't want to get too much more into it now, but there are other scenes, too, where you question, like, if he's just really trying to break through with that uh, element of their relationship, like, and she just won't let it happen. And he's just sort of like, why aren't we there yet, sort of thing, you know? Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll get into that more, but... um, but yeah, so he's like, you know, trying to tell her, uh, which is as well, which is a very nice way to put it, right? Where he goes, there's nothing I wouldn't give you. There's nothing I'd deny you if you would not deny me. <laughs> Again, putting that on her, it's like, yeah, you could have everything, yeah. quote unquote, uh, whatever that means, their definition of what everything uh, is, uh-huh. if you would just hand your life over to to us, essentially. She has the necklace on and she's just looking at it in the mirror like, oh God. And there was a really, I, I don't want to sound like I'm hating on the movie now, because obviously I'm not. I'm just hating. I'm not even, I want to use the word hating. Like, I'm just pointing out the fact that a lot of these deleted scenes were not good. The deleted scenes aren't part of the movie, so. Yeah. Yeah. 
it would have originally went to a very not good deleted scene. Uh, it was a morph of Rose's hand on the necklace on her chest into old Rose's hand on her chest. And she goes, I could still feel the weight on me like a dog collar or something. We, we get it, old Rose. The necklace was heavy. <laughs> That added reference to it being like a dog collar, yeah, like like she was chained. Yeah, it's yeah, like we yeah. we already got that yeah, with like the it. say like you, there would have been like I know like a lot of people think that the script is heavy handed as it is, and I'm like it would have been way more heavy handed yeah, had James Cameron left this stuff in. The audience isn't stupid; they can understand subtext. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then it it cut to what would have been a really long deleted scene back to present day. Mm-hmm. With Bobby, I think is this guy who is working with Brock. He was the guy that has like the um the suntan lotion on his nose oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. He is like telling Brock about how, oh, like we only have two days to do this. Like, oh, they're they're, they're complaining about the budget and we're going over and all that stuff that we we talked yeah, about. Paralleling James Cameron. Yeah, like yeah. the partners are pissed. Like we're going over budget and blah blah blah. And so this whole scene goes on for like so long and it just ruins the flow of everything. And it's like Brock having a conversation with Lizzie too, like hanging over the the ship. Like, and I'm just like, okay, whoa. <laughs> I remember I had told you how there were supposed to be sub romances in this movie. <laughs> Brock and Lizzie being one of them, Fabrizio and Helga being another. And then James Cameron was just like, yeah, no one cares. Like, we just got to stick to the main one. <laughs> no one's invested in Brock and Lizzie. Yeah. No one cares about Brock and Lizzie. No. I think the movie really started to take shape in the editing room mm-hmm. because, you know, he started watching it back and like putting it together and then doing test screenings and stuff. And it's like, yeah, this isn't working. Like, no one cares about this. This is completely unnecessary. You can tell with the early scenes, like he, he was trying to set something up with Brock. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. You can, you can just kind of tell. I'm glad it didn't amount to anything because I think it would have been forced. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they cut all that out, thank God. And yeah, there were a lot of lines in there that would have been people would have problems with. Yeah. Where Lizzie's like, you really think that she was there? And he's like, oh yeah, I'm a believer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, less is more with Brock, I think. We don't need more Brock stuff. He's like the worst. <laughs> it's like the worst performance in the movie. Oh man, I feel so bad. Like, like, like you know, R.I.P. Bill Paxton. Well, yeah, of course. Um, He's good in other stuff. It's just. Oh uh, yeah. Not this movie. Oh god. <laughs> anyway, so that's the end of that scene. We talked about that for way longer than I thought we were yeah, going to talk about it. Same. But it's all good. Um, yeah. So I think that does it for this scene. Be sure to follow us on all of the socials as well, guys. I try to put all of our updates on there. Like, just recently I put, you know, when we were going to be recording this next session. You know, just to keep you guys in the loop. Uh, I realized that last month we posted three episodes for the month. And then when we started, we had posted three episodes in a month. And so I think as long as we can sit down for sessions and get out as many episodes as we can i'm hoping that three a month can be a thing that i can put out in a timely manner so it may not be always like every monday in the month or whatever but like at least be able to expect three episodes Mm. a month hopefully yeah if we can stick with that i think that's good and that's enough content over the course of a month 
And yeah, I I realized that that has been kind of a pattern. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's something that's doable. Definitely. So, but yeah, all the socials will be in the links and uh, will be in the links of the description. Will be in the what? I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. We've been talking so long. Will be linked in the description maybe will be linked in the description yes um leave us a voicemail on anchor please someone do it (laughs) all right i'm gonna start calling i'm gonna call us too i'm just gonna leave an example and be like this could be you this could be you but yeah so i think that's it for this one i think we definitely talked about a lot of stuff i'd be surprised if there was anything we missed there probably will be though i'll be editing this episode and i'll be like crap yeah why did i mention this but as as you know we've said there's i'm trying to stick to rules but at the same time not because at the root this should be a free-form conversation as much as possible right yeah we'll just talk about things as they arise so thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one see ya